This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergeff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. On these Tuesdays, now during Timberwolves season, we talk with the voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton. And Alan, good to speak with you after a few months. How'd your off-season go? Todd, it's great to be, great to be back on with you. It, yeah. um, everything is good. It's been, uh, you know, even with the couple of weeks run after the regular season in that uh, post-game series against Denver, it does make for a long off-season. Yeah. It's all of, um, you kind of get to the end of April, but then it's May, June, July, August, and September, Start things start to heat up a little bit. Um, and training camp got underway a little bit earlier than normal with a trip to Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the Wolves are two weeks into training camp. They've played three preseason games, and by the end of the week, they'll be done with the preseason, and next week the season opens. Yeah, then boom, it's ready to go. Did you go to Abu Dhabi then? I did go to Abu ah, Dhabi. Nice. I broadcast the games there. First ever broadcast from Abu Dhabi. They did these games last year, but nobody broadcast either radio or TV from there, and, and I was the only one to uh, broadcast this year, so we... Kind of set a little bit of a, a you know, we were trying to send a note to Elias Sports Bureau, make sure we're the first ever broadcast from Abu Dhabi. So it was a pretty incredible trip for, for a week. No doubt. Could you tell us a little bit about that? What was it like? I mean, the travel to get there, it's the other side of the planet. That wasn't exactly next door on that plane ride. It's literally halfway around the world. And yeah. It um, took 13 plus hours to get there, took 15 to come back, because I guess you're going against some headwinds. Uh, at least that's what they tell us. And so, um, you know, both Dallas and Minnesota had uh, Etihad Airlines uh, got us a plane uh, to Minnesota, and, and Dallas had their plane down in uh, Dallas, and, and both teams flew out there for a week. And you know, the, the, there's no getting around it. It's a long way. It's it's a it's a long time to be cramped up in a plane. Um, you know, the players had some some of those pods. I don't know if you ever seen the uh, business class seats that they show in some of the commercials for yeah. some of those long flights. So the players had those, coaches had those, um, and we had a couple of seats to ourselves in the back, and so. Um, you know, it's it wasn't exactly like we were packed in shoulder to shoulder, but um, it was a long way to go. And, and, and a lot of people, me included, never adjusted to the time change. Just, oh. It's such a big shift to your body. You know, you just the sun's not up at a normal time. Your body is in, you know, those rhythms of, you know, the sunrise and the sunset. And I never adjusted. There were a couple of nights where, um, you know, only three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering, how am I still going on just seven hours of sleep in three days? And then uh, you'd crash for 10 hours. And then yeah. you, the next night, three hours of sleep. So um, that was a big adjustment. For the players, they're much younger. They've been through a lot of they, they're They're used to traveling. I mean, some of the guys, Rudy, Ant, Carl, they were all in Southeast Asia for the World Cup. So they've been on some long flights. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyle Anderson, um, all those guys played in the World Cup. So they've used, they're used to spending some time on the plane. So they adjusted pretty well. It got a lot of practices in, got some games. They had events there. It was um, it was a pretty cool experience in, in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, they, they've got money to throw around, and, and they've got um, you know they've they've got a deal with the NBA to host a couple of teams every year for a four year span, and they put on a really good show. NBA brought out some legends for both those games. They had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They had Ray Allen. Uh, Kenny the Jet Smith was there. He joined me on the broadcast for a little while. Great. Um, you know, you had Tim Hardaway Sr. You had Sean Marion. You had all sorts of former players. That was really, it was a really cool experience. Smaller, like brand new arena, but a little bit smaller than the NBA size. So 14, 15,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool to put on kind of a show for 
Well, I think the Wolves put on a show. I'm not sure Dallas really showed up at all. Those games were not that interesting. and um, It didn't help that Jason Kidd kind of started a couple of rookies that first game, and then Kyrie only played about eight minutes the whole two-game series. Um, You know, Luka did what he could, but, um, you know, the Wolves actually looked really good in those two games, and, and I thought they played really well. What were the crowds like there then? Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it was like one of them was a sellout, and the other one was probably thirteen or 14,000. So it was, um, you know, some, when you're there, it's such a sparsely uh, – the, 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 it's, it's exactly as you might imagine. It's, it's, it's incredibly desert-like. Mm-hmm. It is desert-like. Um, and, and, and things are spread out, and you don't see that many – at least the places we went um, from practicing at a local – you know, N- New York University has a uh, campus over there, NYUAD. Um, NYU Abu Dhabi, and so they had a nice facility. Um, we went there for a little while. We went to we we had some events around town, but we didn't see a ton of people. So it was kind of surprising to see fifteen thousand people in the arena. But um, it may be NBA preseason games for for the NBA players and coaches. But for those fans, they they treat it like a big deal. They don't get a chance to see people, um, you know, come in that come to that part of the world very often. So they made it a big deal. And there was meet on media day. There were over a hundred media members from Europe. Southeast Asia, for the Middle East. Um, it's a very actual central point for a lot of places that don't ca- quite can't get to NBA games, right? So mm-hmm. it's not that far a flight from Europe. It's not that far a flight from Southeast Asia. And, of course, for everyone uh, around the Middle East, it was, you know, even from Egypt there were some TV stations. So those are that's only, I would imagine, an hour or two a flight away. So it was uh, pretty convenient for that for that part of the world. So the folks showed up, but did they make any noise? I'm guessing it's not quite like an Eagles uh, football home game. No, it's, I mean, it, especially when the game was kind of one side. I mean, the Wolves jumped out to like a 20-3 to three lead in the first yeah. game. They got really into it in the second game when they were rooting Dallas on, uh, who had been down by like 20, and it got to within, I think, three. Mm-hmm. So they were really hoping for some close action down the stretch, but the Wolves um, were able to pull away. But they were into it. They had fun. And, uh, you know, it, it gives you an idea of how big a superstar these these guys are, Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert—you know they've got they've got international fame, not just uh, yeah. not just U.S. fame. And of course, Luka Doncic is in a really in a class by himself as far as the two teams went because um, because of his success in Europe. And he's really mm. he, he was an international star before he was a U.S. star. So he's got that he's got that built-in popularity that that he's had from a young age when he was um, doing great things for his country, his national team, Slovenia and playing for Real Madrid in, in, in uh, the beginning of his pro career. Well, clearly the NBA wants their players to play overseas and continue to make it a, a global game. Uh, you know, you mentioned all the Timberwolves players that played in that in that World Cup. What's the benefit to them? Is it is it good to have a training camp overseas and play all these games? Is it a positive for them? I think so. I think they get the bigger picture. They understand the business of basketball, and the more the game grows and the more fan support there is for the game, they benefit, just like the league does. I mean, this is really a partnership between players and the league, and, and, and you know they split all the revenue 50-50. So if the league's doing well, um, that means the players are doing well. And I, and I think they understand that. Yeah, They understand it's a long way to go, but that's why the NBA allowed Dallas and Minnesota to start their preseason uh, three or four days earlier than the rest of the league so that you can have that time to, to get there and then get back and recover a little bit. Um, and so I think everybody kind of understands that, you know, we, we had Mark Tatum, the, uh, the deputy commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver was there as well, mm. but Mark Tatum joined me on the broadcast and they've done over 200, um, NBA games, preseason, regular season, 
in markets outside of the U.S. or Canada. And so they've really been, you know, trying to expand that NBA footprint, right? I mean, there are regular season games in Paris. There have been regular season games in London. Wolves played in Mexico City. Um, and, of course, there have been games uh, in Japan. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of different things. Timberwolves have gone over and played in China uh, back in 2017. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've, the NBA has really tried to push, um, you know, push to make this a global game. And their basketball without borders camps for young players all over the world who come from South America, they come from Africa, they come from Asia. Um, you know, they've, uh, Chris Finch has been a part of some of those camps that are in the off season. They bring players, they bring coaches. They bring front office people. It's really, um, it, it's a business beyond just the regular season, and it's it's kind of cool to see everybody kind of on the same page. And even some of the players, when they were asked weird questions from, you know, <laughs> Mike Conley is repeating some phrase in Indonesian um, that he really has no idea what he's saying, but he he's he's repeating it for some TV station. Or Nikhil Alexander Walker is doing an interview on German TV because. He played, Nikhil played for Team Canada that had a training camp in uh, Germany before going over to Malaysia okay. for the World Cup. So, I mean, it, it, it's just incredible. The guys are just really kind of in awe of just of, of how big this game is when you're doing TV interviews for Greece and Italian television um, and you're sitting there in Abu Dhabi. I think some of them, I asked a couple of the guys, they're just like, this is just, this is just wild. <laughs> uh, getting more specifically to the team now as you get prepared for the start of the season. Same starting five, a couple additions to uh, guys that'll be uh, contributors uh, off the bench. Tell us about some of the new guys like Troy Brown. Yeah, Troy Brown and Shake Milton. I think, um, you know, Todd, it's interesting. I, 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 I don't usually do Twitter threads, but I had a little thread, just like I think four tweets long. Mm-hmm. And, and I just was like, you know, two weeks into the camp, it, it, it occurred to me that this, this camp is the most workmanlike and professional um, camp I think the Timberwolves have had in my time. So wow. that's 17 years of watching these camps. They just, and it occurred to me, you look at the, ro- the rotation is pretty much set. They can go 11 deep, um, and the roles are pretty well defined. And you look at those 11 players, they're starting five, and then off the bench you've got, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you've got Nasreed, you've got Troy Brown, you've got Shake Milton and uh, Kyle Anderson and Jordan McLaughlin. Um, there's not a young – there's no rookies in that group. Yep. The youngest players are Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, and they're both starters and have been starting for a couple of years, and they're in their fourth season. Everybody else is five, four, five, six, and up to – you know, 11 years in the league, and Kyle Anderson there too, and, like, and Mike Conley, 17 years. It's just a very experienced group, and with Mike Conley kind of taking the leadership role, it, uh, it just, it's just very workmanlike. They go about their business. There's no drama this year. Um, and I think, you know, I don't even think there's really any big major issues with this team. Like, Rudy's fit is not really a question. It's now the second year with that. Yeah. Um, they feel like it's going to be a better fit than – it was at the end of last season when Carl came back from the injury, which was a better fit than when they started the year uh, before the Carl injury. So I think um, everything's kind of progressing, and the, and the work uh, on the court has been really good, according to Chris Finch. So, you know, everything right now has just been really positive. And even smaller things like Jaden McDaniels injuring his calf, he has not been a part of the last uh, week worth of practices or preseason games, and it's sort of in jeopardy whether or not he'll be ready for the season opener. But even even that kind of like when you have eleven players deep and you've got an experienced roster, um, yeah, they'll miss Jaden and his and his defense for sure. But um, you have more than enough talent there to make up for it for for a short period of time. So everything's really trending in the right direction. 
I hear a lot of NBA uh, observers uh, talk about the old heads win in the NBA, that you have to have veteran presence, and it helps if it's not just a presence, but the overwhelming nature of the team uh, are, are veterans. Uh, so the Timberwolves should fit right into that as long. And they have young veterans yet, too. Yeah, and I think that the continuity is a big thing. I, I think, especially early on in the season, teams benefit when they have a low turnover rate. Like, so the Wolves had nine, have nine of their top ten players back from last season. Yeah. If you look at the roster at the end of the year and who was playing, nine of those ten players are back. Only Torian Prince um, is not back, and you basically flipped him for Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton, who have really fit in seamlessly. These are guys that have been in their sixth year. Chris Finch says, hey, they know who they are. They know how to fit in. Um, and it's really been seamless for both of those guys, and I think both those guys are going to play um, a big role. But continuity is key early on in the season. And it's funny, if you just scroll Twitter or social media, you know, it, it, it always it makes me chuckle when you see the NBA say, um, you know, t- just take a guy like Shaden Sharp, who's in, who's in Portland, young player, really athletic, and they're like, look at him fly. And he's got 23 points through three quarters. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, social media always takes kind of and blows out, and it happens with the Wolves, too, when someone has a big game. But that's not really the story, right? Scoring is through the roof. Guys are going to score. Guess yeah. what? If you play 30 minutes in this league, you're, you're probably going to average close to 20 points. Any, <laughs> so many players could average 20 or more if they get the opportunity. Um, and, and sometimes we fall, you know, I think fans just fall in love with some of the numbers. They don't realize that, you know, maybe I'd rather have Mike Conley just kind of you know, setting people up, running things the right way, not turning the ball over on possessions. And guess what? Most of those stats you see highlighted on a nightly basis are, you know, someone, I pick Portland and Houston because I think they'll struggle this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have some great numbers put up by some young players. And we kind of, we kind of emphasize, oh, look at this young talent that they've got. Well, young talent doesn't always win games. It's yeah. about winning. And they, uh, they often don't point out the fact that the team was down by 30 points in that game. There were five turnovers by that player in the game. All those little things that go into winning, that's, that's more important, and that's kind of what the Wolves are focused on. They're not focused on the flash um, of putting up the big stats. There'll be some guys that average plenty of points and rebounds and assists. Um, it's, it's more about the wins, and I think this group is – I think they realize, too, that there's, there's expectations on this team. I mean, mm-hmm. expectations were high last year. Uh, I think they increased this year because there is kind of the looming – there is the looming issue. You can't get around it. Um, you know, the players focus on he, the here, the now, the today. This team is intact. They'll go forward. This is the group um, and try to do the best they can. But next year, you've got some roster issues because Ant's contract kicks in. Jaden's contract, uh, when they agree on that, will be kicking in. And uh, it, it, you don't know if this group, as currently constructed, can continue next season because mm-hmm. it gets awfully expensive awfully quickly. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, drawing praise from uh, Chris Finch yesterday after practice, uh, being kind of the defensive igniter for them. He's one of those little things guys you're referencing, right, that helps you do those little things, defend on the basketball. He was, he, I thought, a throw-in in a trade, but gosh, the guy's been yeah. terrific. Yeah, so he came over with Mike Conley from uh, Utah, yeah. and, and really most people thought he was a throw-in, and he might have been, but um, Chris Finch had him in New Orleans his rookie year, mm. and you know, Nikhil falls into the category of a guy who's really never gotten a chance. He's had he's he's had something like four coaches, maybe five coaches in four years. Um, never really had a role. And even when the Wolves acquired him, those first three games that he was eligible to play, he only played about four minutes, just in garbage time. Mm-hmm. But then it was the All Star break, and he spent the All Star break here in Minnesota. 
uh, getting up to speed, getting comfortable, and I think getting prepared for a role which he had coming out of the All-Star break where he was basically their sixth man, and that's a role he played exceptionally well. His defense was unbelievable. If you look at the numbers he put up against um, Jamal Murray in that first-round playoff series against Denver, he held Jamal Murray, who was red hot against everybody else, but it was Nikhil Alexander-Walker that really held him down as much as you possibly can Mm. um, with someone so talented. But Nikhil was unbelievable. And then he had a huge role for Team Canada. And Canada, you know, is always kind of underperformed in my eyes because they've got so many NBA players. Um, Their whole roster is basically NBA players. And he's, um, you know, his cousin is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and and, and Nikhil kind of came in as a six-man, played really well for Team Canada. And he's going to have a big role. I don't think I've seen him miss a shot during the – during the preseason, at least in training camp and in practice. He just knocks it down all the time. Mm. And then, you know, what's great about the defense is that you've got Jaden McDaniels, you've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you've got Rudy Gobert, a three-time defensive player of the year, six-time all-defense. And then you've got uh, Anthony Edwards, who can, who can, at times, when the situation calls for it, he wants the toughest assignment. That's a pretty good defensive lineup you can throw out. And when, you, when I said they were 11 deep, not only does Chris Finch have defensive lineups he can turn to, but he's got offensive lineups. He can mix and match, and that really gives you some, uh, some, some, some different lineups depending on who you're facing on a nightly basis. Some of that great depth that's coming back from last year that I wasn't sure would. I didn't know how they'd fit him under the cap as Nas Reed. He clearly yeah. wanted to stay with the Timberwolves. Obviously, they wanted him, and they got a deal done. Yeah, they did, and they, um, you know, a lot of people were surprised because mm-hmm. that's another big, right? You've already got Cat, you've got Rudy, and now you've got Nas, mm-hmm. um, and and the Wolves really thrived last year when Kyle Anderson was their power forward. So um, that's a lot of guys to fit into a small space. But you know what? I think what we realized at the end of last season was, you know, the best players are going to play, and they may not be a perfect fit, but talent wins out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we finally got to a point last season that it, it just looked like the Timberwolves, for, you know. You stop focusing on some of the issues and you just go play. Mm-hmm. Rudy and Cat are going to play. You know they'll they'll mix up some of their 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 time so that Rudy's on when Carl's off, Carl's on, Rudy's off. But they're still going to overlap. And Oz was a really good player, playing the best of basketball of his career before he went down with a broken wrist against the Phoenix Suns. Um, he's back. He's playing well. He looks like he hasn't skipped a beat, and he's going to play too. And if that means him playing. With Carl, that means him including with Rudy. That means sliding Kyle Anderson to the three. Hey, those guys are all going to play because they impact winning. They're good players, and they help you win games. And so I think, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year where you just, you know, you don't worry about some of, the, some of the issues. Maybe in a game-by-game basis, there are some tweaks that can be made by the coaching staff, and they, they do that constantly. But for the most part, um, you're just going to have your, your top talent play. And in the mm-hmm. regular season, talent will win out. And so... Um, you kind of you kind of just push all those other issues, quote unquote issues, to the side. Just play. We've been with the Timberwolves since day one as one of their original uh, affiliates, and we thank Alan Horton for joining us here on the Todd and Friends podcast. Alan, looking forward to talking to you all season. Yeah, it should be fun, Todd. Appreciate all the support through the years and all the uh, fans listening in. So uh, happy to do it. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.